anybody there? Hello, hello. I am here. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Can you see me? I can see you now. All Happy right. Sunday. Rock and roll. Happy Sunday to you. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome to be here. Okay, I'm really, really excited to get to talk to you. I think we have a lot of things to cover because you do a whole bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> I do. That's the immigrant in me, the African in me. <laughs> like I do all the things. <laughs> hey, no, I I respect and I am inspired by the work ethics. So I, I can't wait to get started here. So can we begin with the obvious question? Where are you from? I am from originally from San Bernardino, California. Nice. Um, born and raised, and then um, lived in LA for a spell. Um, hated it. I know people <laughs> in the entertainment industry hate LA, but that's me. And I actually ended up moving to Georgia um, about mm. 15, 16 years ago. So that's where I currently reside. Oh, that's amazing. So what led you there? What, was it just a, a plan to say, I'm going to leave LA and I'll figure it out? Or it, it Georgia drew you to it. Yeah, honestly, I worked in the um, advertising industry back then. Um, and the cost of living, I was a single mom at the time, um, newly divorced, young single mom. And I lived in North Hollywood. And I don't know if you're familiar with North Hollywood at all. Like back in the day, like I lived in the area where it was, you know, people used a lot of the homes in that area for some of those risque video shoots um, to remain PC. <laughs> and so thinking about being a mom with two young girls and all you would see is like half naked women like flaunting oh around God. the neighborhood. And so it was just like, there's got to be more to this, right? Like there's got to yeah. be more. And and honestly, um, and we can get into my background later, but you know, I grew up very poor and everything. And I just, I wanted my kids to have the best opportunity at life possible. And so I went to um, one of the directors at the ad agency and was just like, hey, where else can I go? Like, can I move and still be with the agency when I go? And he was like, well, we can send you to Georgia. We can send you to New York. And New York cost of living was equally mm -hmm. as ridiculous as California. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's go to Georgia. And literally in two weeks, I sold everything on Craigslist, packed up a Mustang and my two kids and me and my little sister like drove <laughs> within two weeks to Georgia. And I've been here ever since. Oh, goodness. So that was a, yeah. a few years back then. That was a little while back. So Georgia's home now. Georgia is 100% home now. Yeah. For like, yeah, 15, 16 years going oh, on. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, do you feel like you, your creative life started as a marketer? Like that's kind of like where everything began? Or did you have other interests when you were first getting into, into that craft? I think so. I think marketing, I've always had an, a knack for words and things like that. And so without really thinking that I had ever any opportunity of doing anything in the entertainment industry and I've, oh boy, I've tried, I've, you know, done some things. <laughs> um, but really marketing is kind of where I found my, the ability to kind of let my creative juices flow. So writing ad copy, working with some really great brands, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so being able to kind of be on, on, on the forefront of some of the different things that they were doing from a marketing perspective. Yeah. I think that's where it all started. And if I'm talking and rambling too much, please just help. No, this is lovely. I, <laughs> I, I love, I love listening to your perspective and especially because it sounds like you're very passionate about what you do because it seems yeah. like you have found your footing after, after, you know, maybe some difficult times and now you're passing that on to other people who may not be in that, in that position yet. So I'm curious how you're able to bring these things together into a storytelling project that aligns really, really well with with your your coaching business now 
Could you share a little bit about about your coaching and how that has a, a good relationship with uh, your your creative storytelling projects? Yeah. So um, my husband and I, when we first got together um, about seven years ago now, eight years ago, um, where we, my husband is a, is a relationship counselor. So that was like his thing. And as the marketer, I was like his producer behind the scenes. Um, and it started out really wanting to save all the marriages. Right. So he mm -hmm. was just like very passionate. Like we're going to save all the marriages. Like, you know, let's <laughs> do it. And realize once you get into it, people don't get help it, um, it, for marriages until they're like on their last leg, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, and so by the time they would come to him or us, it would be like, we're literally trying to like save a sinking ship. And by that point, like mm -hmm. too much water is in the boat. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was we kept encountering women primarily who were coming out of these situations that were just emotionally, mentally broken. And so it was like, it was almost like a, a calling where it was just tugging at us. Like every time at the way back when Periscope was still a thing, Oh yeah. Um, he, he would get online and answer these relationship questions. And at the time he wasn't married to me. And then like 37 seconds later, we like decided to go get married when, you know, and <laughs> what ended up happening was, all of the women who would then listen to him would be like, oh, wait, I see a wedding ring on your finger. Who is this woman? And like, let's, <laughs> let's talk. And so by accident, we went online for the first time on Periscope and just answered the typical relationship questions. Oh, my God, how did you know? Mm. That sort of thing. And then it started, people started asking then about their brokenness in those relationships. And I was no stranger to that brokenness. And my husband actually served as a friend before um, mm -hmm. it, it got serious, anything romantic. And so when they started to ask those questions about like, okay, well, how do I get back to that place where I'm healthy enough to find love? We started at that point, then just randomly coaching really online yeah. that then evolved into a book, um, you know, and then a program where it was all about really, there's no possible way that you can be healthy for a relationship if you're still not dealing with the all of the issues and brokenness that that really has come from your past. And so mm. our book um, and our coaching program really focuses hel on helping people, but our clientele is primarily women, really look at all of the things that not just in that last relationship that possibly could have broken you, but like everything from your childhood, from parents to, you know, your attachment styles, to all these different things that really make up the core of not just who you are, but also the core of the choices that you make. Mm -hmm. And so um, coaching's not cheap. Um, and, you know, therapy as a, um, a practice um, is something that you can't do you know, globally without being licensed a certain way. And so that's why we went mm -hmm. into coaching and took a different approach. But it was like, because it's not necessarily the most inexpensive option for people, what's a great way to expose people to the idea of therapy and coaching? Mm -hmm. So that way they, it can just at least inspire you to want to go get that help. And so we were on a road trip listening to, um, just random podcasts. I mean, happens to come across a scripted podcast. Um, and in that, we literally just like a light bulb went off and was just like, what if we created a scripted podcast that really spoke to our core customer? Of course, you heard the marketing for our products in there, but it was like, 
how do we expose people as many people as possible to the idea of healing? Not even mm -hmm. you're not coming to us, like you don't have to come to us, but how do you do that? And mm -hmm. I think media runs everything. Media rules the world, um, good, bad, or indifferent. And so that's how we started on that journey. And I tell you, I went to um, um, masterclass <laughs> and this hey. is so, I'm so ashamed because, and I think the, <laughs> the imposter syndrome really kicks in when I start talking about this because I've never mm -hmm. been formally educated in, in script writing. I've never been, you know, taking a class or anything like that. So I literally, between YouTube um, and Pete Chapman is an amazing director and writer and I sing his praises every time I get the opportunity. <laughs> um, you know, I like literally divulged everything um, of Pete Chapman, um, Issa Rae, of course, and then the master classes, of course, the Aaron Sorkin and um, Shonda Rhimes. And mm -hmm. I literally wrote a script during the pandemic that is now the Unmasked podcast. <laughs> oh, goodness. How remarkable is that? And I think that uh, one of the curious things that that I see happening is how you were able to go from this, this business to, to actually creating something that, that is, has a wider reach. And I'm curious, like, were you, how long was that time period from when you, you were going on the road trip to actually getting that done? I mean, that, that just seems like such a, it sounds like a very logical thing. Maybe that's how you think as a marketer and storyteller, like, how to get that together. But how long was that time period? About a year and a half. A year and a half. So I actually started, I started writing um, in right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and so it kind of forced me to kind of sit down and do it. And so, yeah, between, yeah, 2020 and then 2021, we kind of went into soft production and everything. And, oh gosh, the hiccups mm -hmm. of trying to find, you know, teams and things to help. Um, and then, it, yeah, 2022, uh, I launched on my birthday, um, February 18th, 2022, oh, wow. was basically like the, yeah, the the launch of season one. Oh, that's amazing. And I have to add, you're also not only writing and, and having a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but you're also performing in this. You're also the lead yeah. in this show, which I applaud you. And I'm curious how you've been. I do not recommend. You do not recommend. Okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, honestly, you know, budgetary concerns you have to, and myself and my husband, so my husband plays Dr. Cam, the radio DJ there. Um, and then I play the lead character, Kenya. Um, and so budgetary concerns was one thing, but honestly, a good chunk of Kenya's story is a is a good, you know, testament to my own. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like if anyone was going to tap into those emotions, especially after once you get to the end of the season mm -hmm. and maybe reveal some family secrets in there, too, just, not, you know, um, <laughs> it's like nobody could really, really get to that emotion like me because she essentially is me, was mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um at that time but i do not recommend writing directing um and then acting and then i also did the audio engineering on the back end too <laughs> <laughs> but what a learning I, experience though i mean that that just sounds yeah. remarkable yeah yeah it's it's i mean remarkable or control freak you know <laughs> it could go either way because yeah yeah i mean there's a few <laughs> degrees i mean it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, do not recommend. <laughs> oh goodness. So, um what are if we could kind of dive deeper into into production because this is something that yeah. that I find so intriguing like what are some learning experiences on the on the technical aspect of production that you feel like, "Oh wow, I've come out on the other side of this and I feel like I can handle this" or like 
maybe this is something that could have been done a little bit differently. Yeah, I think um, the effects side of things, um, you know, there's a lot that I, again, of course, I learned on the fly. So like learning how to throw in the sound effects, learning how to do certain effects on the voice, which I, I still don't 100% know. Um, and all those things, it was just more so like, literally trial and error of what's going to work, what's going to, you know, keep a, a, an audience captive because mm -hmm. it's a completely different medium where people can sit and binge a TV show. Yeah. If somebody's going to be listening to you, what are the things that are going to, that you're going to be able to hear that captivates their audience um, or captivates their attention for 20 to 30 minutes at a time? Um, and so it was really the hardest part, I think, was kind of going in and learning the effects and then sourcing all the different effects and how to insert them in all the different tracks like I can do yeah. one track two track stuff before this but having to do it all um and some nights just like being up and and then sourcing the music because we actually I then you know wanted to make music a big part of this because it's I love music um you know I used to sing and so it was just like music is is, is life and then of course the heavy inspiration from Insecure and the music oh yeah you know from that too and so yeah. it just Learning how to source and pull and do all those things and manage the 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 intellectual resources to stay focused on it, I think was probably the most challenging thing yeah, of it all. Yeah. And it's it's funny you mentioned insecure because my wife and I, we just finished the last season because we hadn't Did we you? hadn't seen it. Like we're, you know, I'm in Wyoming. Like I everything is like <laughs> 10 years behind. So like everyone's like moved on to something else and I'm barely catching yeah. up on insecure. But that that was just such a moving show. And you realize that. Uh, to see to see black people in the way that they were in the show and how empowering that was, how exciting in the way that the music and the production was just so inspiring that you just yeah. felt like I've never seen anything like this. This is just incredible. And yeah, I still cry watching the end of it. Like I just yeah. <laughs> yeah, like emotional. Um when did you were you watching that like right at the very beginning, like when when it first kicked off, or was it something you picked up later too? Or that you said no, it was something later. I picked up later. Like literally, I started watching the show for real, like when season five was airing. Like for one, oh. I got on Twitter and I got like so sick of like all these different inside jokes. And I'm like, what what is so funny? <laughs> and so I didn't I honestly didn't think I would like it at first. Um what is that? Because so many things that were about LA that came out of LA was a lot of the the trauma and the stuff that I grew up around, mm -hmm. right? Like, and so yeah. I I have always had a very hard time consuming media and content that always put into the negative stuff that yeah. again I spent my life trying to escape. Uh -huh. Um, and so I didn't think I was really going to like it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this this is clearly gonna be ratchet. It's not gonna be for me. And uh -huh. then I started again once I joined Twitter. I started seeing the different conversations, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, maybe this mm -hmm. this could be." And I binged it. Um, and honestly, what forced me to binge it even more was that I watched Issa Rae's masterclass. Mm -hmm. And so once I honestly, once I watched the masterclass and watched how she saw the story from a different perspective and her ability to kind of tell and showcase LA from the the good parts that we all used to love and flock yeah. to on the weekends. Yeah. That's when I then went and I and I binged it. And my husband was the same way. He didn't think he was going to like it. So he's actually now just now watching it oh, and good. loves it too. That's <laughs> so awesome. you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. So what was it about the music that that you felt like, oh, maybe we could do something like this on our podcast? To be honest with you, the marketer in me um, felt like if you can 
because it's audio, right? And so if it's going to be a audio podcast and it's not going to be like a business thing where you're learning a business skill or things like that, like the only other way that a lot of people, especially, unfortunately, their black audiences still aren't really into this type of content. Mm. And so it was like, we know music moves us. And so as a marketer in me on one fold was like, I know we can hook them through the music. We can do the soundtrack and everything. But then also being able to showcase and spotlight unknown artists in a medium as well. And then reaching out to them and them, them sharing our content just to say, Hey, go check out my music. It's in the Umnest podcast. So yeah. there was definitely a marketing component to even the thought process and putting that in there too. Oh, absolutely. But there's also this idea that you're, it's almost like at this point, I imagine the podcast has its own community of creators yeah. who are just automatically falling in love with what it is and then just getting the word out there too. But it's a mutually beneficial thing, you know, like I think that's that's kind of the thing that marketers get a bad rap for, right? We're like, oh, they're only in it to sell you something. But no, I mean, there's, there's genuine connection happening. That's what it sounds like anyway. Do you feel that way? That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's still, I mean, it's new. It launched this year, right? I mean, we just reached our first 10,000 downloads. Awesome. Um, And so that's been amazing. But it's, yeah, the idea is to build the community around, again, who doesn't want to recreate the magic that happened around insecure and mm-hmm. people and so and, and so seeing the conversations and people reach out like oh my god I can't believe she did they're like what is wrong with her why is she dumb like and so I really <laughs> wanted to kind of recreate that sort of magical connectivity where number one people could relate to somebody yeah. in the show but then they come back and like talk about even if she's making them mad like one of the reviews was just like Literally, she's annoying and immature, but I love her. And I was just like, I wanted to create that community just even off that alone. Like, even if you hated what Kenya's doing, like Uh literally be able to have those conversations. It was great. Right. What's what's some feedback that that you've received now or or has there been anything that's kind of informing how you you did the show? Um, Or how you're going to move forward, I should say. Yeah, a hundred percent. So a lot of the feedback, a lot of the feedback definitely has been around Kenya. Like she needs some accountability partners. Like she needs to stop before she like goes off the rails. So there's, <laughs> there's been that a lot of, I mean, and again, naturally, which is what we wanted. A lot of women are coming to us. Like I want to go to therapy now as a result of oh, listening yeah. to Kenya and her therapy sessions. And so that's been amazing. And then Jackson, like, you know, the guy who plays my ex husband, who I just can't seem to get rid of. Mm. Um, even though he <laughs> ended up kind of, and I don't want to spoil it in case somebody's going to go oh, listen, yeah. like he, people, you know, people fell in love. He's got like this great, deep, sexy voice. <laughs> um, and then, and so all throughout the first season, you're like, well, he can't be that bad. Right. Like mm-hmm. he just, he sounds so good. Like he sounds like he really likes her. Yeah. And then towards the end, you start to see why he was no good for her. And honestly, I, we've had a lot of women come to us and say like, we want to know more about Jackson and his story. Like, Mm -hmm. because even as as coaches, a lot of the women who come to us, even if this guy is like utter human garbage trash, like literally they still want to know why he is that way to them. They Mm -hmm. still want answers as to like what made him that way. And it's even if it just, for no reason, just the closure of where he came from. Mm -hmm. And so we actually decided to do um a mini audiobook series just on Jackson's oh, story. Wow. Wow. And that's so cool. yeah, that that and because because again, people want women especially want to know. Like there are guys who are like, I could care less. I hate that guy. <laughs> like 
but the women want answers. And so that's what we've really started focusing on is really mm. on top of season two, um, definitely using um, his story to kind of keep people coming in too, to kind of find out what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible how you can find the right package, the right form for what yeah. people are looking for. So that I, I just think that's incredibly interesting. Now, you mentioned in, in one, one of the bios that I found that um, you're, you're looking to help couples break toxic relationship habits and to learn the habits of health, healthy love. Yeah. I know this is a big question and I know it's going to vary okay. a lot, but, but what, what is healthy love? How, how, how can we kind of define that as a starting point? Um, it's a great question. And I swear to you, um, this is not planned. So thank you for this. And I'm not, it's like a shameless plug, but it's <laughs> no, I also, it. I think a very helpful plug. We actually wrote a book for couples. So our, our singles book that we have for individuals going through a breakup is called the soul ties detox. And it's basically helping you walk from that heartbreak, understanding your heartbreak, understanding that, you know, you're not crazy for even loving someone who mm -hmm. doesn't have the best intentions towards you yeah. um, and then moving them into that place of forgiveness. And then with couples, what we do is we help them from that standpoint of identifying those healthy love traits. And so we mm -hmm. broke it down into four simple words um, in our book. It's called covered safety, security, trust, and empathy. Mm -hmm. And with, within that, it's just, it's, it's a super easy concept where it's like, oh, okay, well that's duh. But you know, within safety, there's other components. Can they be themselves? Do they have safety to have a voice in that relationship? Do you as a couple have safety from outside influences that may try to infiltrate your relationship and then safety to make mistakes? Like, you know, so things like that. And so within each, we call them pillars. Um, you know, they're the four pillars um, within each pillar. There are these, you know, micro pillars that really help build up and, and really reinforce that relationship foundation. And it's all about healthy love. And so in mm. that book, we actually talk about there's, at the beginning of each chapter, we tell a piece of our story, um, how we got mm -hmm. together, how my abuse informed how I behaved in this relationship and, and things like that and how his, you know, he suffered from infidelity um, in a previous marriage. And so mm -hmm. how do we maintain that safety, security, trust and empathy to make sure, number one, that we're not helping them repeat any mistakes of their past, but then that we're also creating that solid foundation between us. And it's actually i mean it, it really every time we have to read it or we go through it with couples we're like it we have to read it, it literally reminds us of of you know really being able to practice what we preach because they're so important yeah and that's such a difficult thing but you know i imagine that that's like the most effective way to do it right where like you have to almost share your own experience to say look yeah. i've been able to overcome this and and if if we can do it so can you but there's a beautiful framework that you have set up. I love the pillars. I love this, this idea, because I think that beyond just like what you were saying, like, Oh, let's help people who are having rocky relationships, but also like this stuff extends to people who are in good marriages, right. And are looking yeah. to maybe get to the next level of, of a strong and healthy marriage. And, and so I kind of wonder, like, does it, belong in a good marriage you know like you said or, or is this something that is sort of like an sos first aid kit for for yeah, really no. rocky relationships no i mean 
relationship counseling, I think the biggest mistake that we make is that we treat it as, you know, an SOS thing where it's like, all right, we're going to wave the flag. Like I give up. I don't know what else to do when really help for your marriage should be ongoing. It should be, you know, it's maintenance. It's, you know, it's making sure that you constantly have these check-ins, um, you know, with your spouse and, um, it's it's making and so that's what this book does. It's not for couples that are in trouble because we really we really don't like helping couples who are in trouble because it's so hard. Most yeah. of the time, people are already checked out. Mm-hmm. This is to make sure um, that you recognize the signs. And we yeah. actually talk about this in the chapter of empathy. Like people who can love each other all day long, but as you're going through the relationship, as soon as you stop checking in, as soon as you start assuming that you know your spouse, yeah, that's when you honestly start to be, you know, that what familiarity breeds contempt, right? That's when contempt starts to set in and you start yeah. ignoring who the core person is and you just start assuming that you know them. And then once you stop getting to know your spouse, their changes, their as you're growing, that's honestly why you find so many couples at that 15, 20 year mark begin mm-hmm. to kind of fall apart. Yeah. And nobody wants that. That just sounds devastating. No, not really at all. Heartbreaking. Um, with, in terms of, of the black community and how they see uh, relationship coaching, any kind of emotional kind yeah. of coaching. And I, I say this as a Mexican who has all kinds of repressed yeah. stuff, no, you know, good. like, cause culturally, you know, uh, some yeah. some of our cultures are just like no I can do it on my own like we I I, I don't even know what you're talking about I'm not interested. Do yep. you encounter that a lot, or do you think there's a there's a a vocal need for for what you're offering in in the black community? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm I come from a family full of therapists, and they oh, you know they'll okay. give they'll I mean that Nigerian side of my family like they'll they'll give you advice and counseling all day long, but mm. it's very hard to sit down and say like I need this help myself. Like mm. even from it, like yeah. and so no, I think it's constant. It's something that constantly needs to be reinforced, and that's kind of why. I set the podcast up of Unmasked in the way that I did. Um, mm-hmm. In the very beginning, Kenya says, we don't do therapy, <laughs> um, you know? And so she's like, I feel like I'm betraying my culture by being oh, wow. here, right? Like I'm basically selling my birthright to be here. And it's wow. and it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but black people were raised, you don't tell nobody my business. Like mm-hmm. you don't take this business outside of the house. Yeah, and so yeah. we carry that into adulthood and yeah. to the point to where even I grew up in, you know, church and, you know, you don't need therapy. You just need Jesus. Just go ahead and say a prayer. And it's oh. like, I felt like something was wrong with me for so long for even wanting to get help outside of God. And so I ended up, you know, when I did finally go to therapy, it took years for me to really reconcile that I'm not betraying my culture or God, you know, by being here. And and here's what it did for me. And so that's why we set the podcast up that way. And that you can hear that therapy is not telling you that there's something wrong with you or that you're crazy. It's helping you find yourself. It's helping you identify like who you're supposed to become. And, and so like season one, you know, you see, you know, the woman in therapy, but season two, you were going to show a man in therapy and show that journey and him, you know, even finding the therapist and things like that too. And so we want to make sure that people understand not just that, oh my God, go get therapy. Cause it's not just supposed to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Therapy doesn't, it's not a magic wand where you go and you know, it's all done. And you know, from the church community, we oftentimes treat things that way as well, mm-hmm. but it's really going and it's a process of learning and unlearning. And Kenya makes very stupid mistakes because she's in that process of mm-hmm. unlearning, even though she's in therapy. So no, yeah. it's very important. 
Well, I'm glad you bring up uh, your faith because I think it's just, it seems like a very, very important part of your life, the way you approach everything in your projects as well as your spiritual healing. But I, I have a very mixed relationship with, with faith. So I'm curious, Same. How, how does it belong in your world now? And I imagine like having gone through really difficult experiences, maybe your faith has been tested. There's been things that have really gotten in the way of that relationship. And so I'm curious what that faith looks like now. And I guess Um, what it looked like before and what it looks like now. Yeah. um, Before, like I grew up in church, under the church, like I was a choir director. I was a worship leader. My dad played the organ. My stepdad mm-hmm. played the organ. My mom was like the head usher. My dad drove the mm-hmm. church bus. Like I was very much embedded in church. And um, the way we grew up in church was very controlling. Um, and I do not take anything away from my upbringing because I think it very much gave me a great foundation in my spirituality. But I think it also gave me, you know, through therapy, I learned it also gave me um, really all of the um, ingredients needed to have someone end up in abusive relationships too, because you're taught to obey, submit, don't question things, do as you're mm-hmm. told. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in church, you're, you're groomed to be a wife was how I grew up. You weren't groomed to be an independent thinking person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, younger in my younger years, 1920s, I was very much, you know, hundred percent in church and like felt guilt for even like thinking bad thoughts. And then, um, sadly, I've been married more than once. And so what ended up happening was I married a, a pastor mm-hmm. um, who was abusive and narcissistic. And wow. um, I went to other church leaders to try to get help. Um, and it was always made to be my fault. It was mm-hmm. always be like, you know, you need to submit more. You, it was always, you know, and they at one point said, we're going to give him a higher position in the church and it's going to make him feel better and maybe he'll treat you better. And so oh, I was just goodness. like, wait, what? Wow. Yeah. And so all of it, though, was centered around control. And when I finally I ended up, he refused to go to therapy with me. He refused to go to counseling. And when I finally ended up going to counseling, I went to a Christian therapist who specialized in helping church leaders. And so I was like, great. She can tell me how to be better, a better wife so he can treat me better. Mm -hmm. And that's when she diagnosed me with being abused. Um, you know, going through that. And so when I told my church leaders that this was what my therapist was telling me, I was ostracized. I was gaslit. I was, and this was a very prominent church leader that, I mean, when I say came for me on all of the socials, like, and it was humiliating Mm -hmm. to the point to where I didn't walk away from God. I was like, I'm, I don't need this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not, this is not for me. And, um, what happened was my husband, having a being a you know scholared and have the degree in theology helped me really twist my thinking about the humanity of people versus the love of god and so Mm -hmm. it took a while before i even stepped foot back into a church and i'll never um be in church leadership ever again i'll never lead worship for like i never want to be that close to church leadership because i saw how flawed people are And so now it's like, I have my own relationship. My husband, thankfully, I think if it were not for him in having that education and foundation that he has, um, I probably wouldn't still be a believer. Um, Mm. I just happen to see things differently now than the way that I was brought up in that control. And 
now being able to understand that God's desire is not for me to be hurting and in unhealthy relationships, it informs how we then deal with other women who are coming to us who have church leaders telling them the same thing, that they're being disobedient for trying to leave a man who's beating their brains out, right? And so yeah. it it really does help from that standpoint. And that's why like season one, like all my, I have people at my church that are listening to my podcast and I'm like, okay, like, cause Kenya cusses, there's, there's <laughs> definitely implications of sex in there. Like, and so it's like, it's not, whole, I'm like, listen, Kenya is not at that place in her journey right now. Like we yeah, need to give her yeah. some grace, like just <laughs> leave her be. And so, um, it's but it because it's not just like Christianity in a vacuum or like, you know, this is a good person and this is who she is. But it's like we want people to see the humanity like that. God honors your humanity. It mm-hmm. is not about, you know, you doing perfect and being perfect all the time. It's about you learning and being human and just being good people. Like, let's just start there. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of how we use that um, to talk to people. Oh, that's fascinating. And thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate your honesty on that, because it just adds a lot more depth to the work that you're doing, especially given that a lot of us and a lot of folks who who might be listening to your show have that deep relationship that is in many ways broken uh, with mm-hmm. religion, with their faith. And, you yeah. know, thankfully you had your, your husband there to help you out, you know, process a lot of that stuff. But there are some, some folks out there who legitimately feel like they've been, they, their faith is ruined by yeah. by churches by these organizations and so i'm curious about your sense of community in the church do you still get that sense of community from from your church or your your spiritual your spiritual group i should say um or is that this is not hard as important yeah, yeah no no it, no it's a hard question because initially yes um we would say 100% and then and then the pandemic happened. Mm. Um, and it's so hard. Um, I think I think Christianity as a whole is really being rocked um, because of what we're seeing with with COVID, with literally you saw like cliques form around vaccinated versus unvaccinated. You saw, you know, faith from somebody who has faith versus somebody who doesn't have faith, right? And so you have like all of these things that happened where at one point you felt like it was a community. And then now it's like you kind of take a step back between COVID and politics. And it's just oh, like, yeah. it, it really got to a point where it was just like, you don't, you don't know if you can trust the people in your circle anymore because oh, wow. of- yeah how you believe and how you see things and then also how you treat other humans based on your beliefs like not just them being other humans like just based on your own self-righteous beliefs like and i just it that has damaged a lot of the sense of community that i felt to be honest just in not just my church but in church in general when you see how the bible is being used and weaponized um, to taunt people and hurt people. And so that's, Mm -hmm. yeah. So my community comes from a different place now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's a way moving forward that could potentially heal that for you? (laughs) Excuse Um, me. Bless you. Thank you. Do I think, of course, like, you know, I I wouldn't be a person of faith if I didn't believe that. I just think, there's a lot to be said for someone who has the ability to compartmentalize the function of church and the people within that function. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, I, 
you know, I know that, you know, church and worship and music and that is very much a core part of of who I am. Um, So I don't think I'll ever completely walk away from it. But I think it's just always being able to just show love and have a strength of mind that says I don't I can, you know, basically choose to agree with some things and disagree with others and still maintain that love for you. Um, you know, and that's that I think that's how I move forward um, in that. So it's still it's still bruised a bit, but I think that's my uh, my method. I think that I will use going forward because I mean, I probably I haven't been back to church since the you know shutdown and they've mm-hmm. consistently held up. I haven't been back into the building because I heard some of the things that were said around covid and then around politics and it's just like oh yeah I, yeah. Mm, yeah i, I love you mm, <laughs> but okay so yeah well well thanks for sharing that i got two more questions to be respectful of your yeah. time but i'm i'm curious what um what is really insp- aside from insecure uh <laughs> what are some things that are really inspiring you it doesn't have to be you know like a podcast or or a tv show but what are some things that are really inspiring you right now I should say I creatively. A, let, let, let me go yeah, <laughs> to yeah, it down. no, no, like yeah. I mean, the core thing of me is I really want to be able to um, tell more stories and tell um, interesting stories. And again, I'm a big, big believer. Like I said, media runs everything, and so. I love to subliminally put things within stories that help shine a light on things <laughs> that you wouldn't ordinarily think about. You know, as mm-hmm. a Christian, I, you know, there is a homosexual man, one of my, like one of my new best friends, like in the show, like, and mm-hmm. I wanted to do that for a reason. Like I wanted to show that like, listen, I don't have to agree with somebody. I don't have to live the same, you know, as they do to love them mm-hmm. and to receive and accept people. And so there are things that I like to do to be able to like, just shine a light on love and helping people emotionally grow. So there's that, mm. there's the, there's a sense of responsibility to help my community, you know, come up. So like anybody I meet, like if, if I see a drive and a passion and you want to move forward, like, let me find an opportunity for you to kind of move. And so I really want that right. um, as well. Um, and so, and then just seeing I'm a, I'm a trend follower. And so I, my husband calls me a visionary because I, um, we'll see a trend like we started unmasked and right as we started writing unmasked um, and we got into production, we saw all these other big powerhouses, Will Packer, Ava DuVernay coming out and now going into scripted podcast oh, content. Yeah. So yeah. what inspires me now is just like watching the world and watching things move. And I love creatively being able to spot a trend coming. And so mm-hmm. I'm always looking for the next trend. And so I'll sit and I'll just watch things just to see what can we get into next so I can like live my life like, you know, a rich lady and wake up at 10 a.m. every morning. <laughs> oh, I would I would love that. That sounds like a dream. I want to be a rich like, lady and and uh... <laughs> just like wake up, sit on my patio, have my coffee, like uh, so yeah. That sounds no. like that sounds like all I've ever wanted, you know. <laughs> Me too. Me so, too. Uh lastly, in in terms of of sharing and serving and and giving through the arts and your creativity why now more than ever why is this important your show in particular why do we need this we've talked about it a lot but from your heart what is it doing for you and what can it do for other people oh that's such a good question Mm -hmm. um i i think why now because um 
mental health crises and and things happening in the world is at an all-time high. I think we're living in the middle of a dumpster fire. So on one end, I love the idea that people can escape and get entertained um, by this. But I also love that at the end of this journey, more and more people are, are saying, like, I, I need, I want to get a therapist too. I want to seek that help too. And I think if we can find opportunities to cause people to introspectively look at themselves through somebody else's journey, um, then I think it's it, there's an opportunity to heal um, within that. And that's honestly, really, I really do believe that you can heal the world through the arts. Mm. Um, and so that's what I want for Unmasked to be able to do um, for everybody. Like, as you listen to it, like, okay, be able to hashtag me to this and say, I'm going to go to therapy too. Like, I would, I would love that. Oh, goodness. I think that's a fabulous note to end on. I think Thank it's you. it's remarkable, the work that you're doing. You're an absolute pro, and it's very inspiring what you're doing. You're using Thank this you. project to serve and to make a difference in your community and to beyond that even, you know, just to get the word out about mental health. So I really appreciate that. And, of course, I can't thank you enough for your time. So My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug while we're here other than the podcast? No, no, I think I've done enough plugging today, don't you think? I think, you know, there's stay never enough tuned. plugging. There's never enough right. plugging. Right. <laughs> stay tuned because we are working on a murder mystery spinoff oh. um, from Unmasked. It's weird. Like, what? How do you get like murder from therapy? But oh, it's happening. It's coming. There's, yeah, there's a through line there. <laughs> there's always. So we're definitely working on that now. Um, so please stay tuned to um, the Unmasked podcast and, and what's coming because I think coming up there'll be something for everybody so i'm very excited oh, uh, for what's next that's incredible to hear and I, I i look forward to catching up with you once you have the empire built because i think that's what's what's happening it's just like incrementally starting to that's to the grow goal grow. yeah that's the goal i appreciate you saying that because that is definitely the goal and i will stay in touch in case you want to come up with us okay oh, <laughs> Well, I'll be around. I'm not doing much. <laughs> Thanks so I much, Takara. Yeah, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and I hope we get Thanks to talk someday too. soon. <laughs> Thanks, you too. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, too. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey there. Before I go, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying Arts Calling, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to these episodes. Every little bit helps to bring awareness about these wonderful artists that we're featuring on this podcast. And don't forget to say hi. I'm over on Twitter at Cruzfolio, and I would love to hear from you, love to know what you're working on, and I wish you the best in life and craft. Make art, make haste, and much love.